What a blessing, amen. Uh, praise the Lord for that. What a, what a lesson in that song. And uh, that's how songs ought to be, is they're lifting up the Savior. And uh, what a blessing that is. Thank you, ladies, for singing that song. Sometimes I get jealous when I hear people that have good voices sing. Um, and then I try to look at Matt during the songs, and I feel better. Um, I had to get you back for that glass thing there, you know, all that. Appreciate that. But take your Bibles, the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter number 4. Galatians chapter number 4. Um, as we're turning there, I would invite you to stand with me out of respect for the Word of God, if you're physically able to. Um, we are going to read several verses of Scripture, and then we'll gain our text here uh, this morning. It's, uh, just something I want to encourage you about today, and uh, just kind of uplift the Lord this morning, and what a blessing it is to get in the Word of God. We've been speaking in Sunday school about being rooted in Christ. And uh, we talked about being rooted in Christ's Word. And uh, that's what we're supposed to be. If we're not rooted in Christ's Word, we can't be rooted in Christ because this is all about who He is. And we need to get back to the book once again. In Galatians chapter number 4, uh, starting in verse number 1, the Bible says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, deferreth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. But it but is under uh, tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. Even so we, when we are, were children, were in bondage under the elements of the, of the world. But he, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Howbeit then, when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them, which by nature are no gods. But now, after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage. I want to look back up to verse number 7. Is where we'll gain our text of the, or the title of the message this morning. It says, Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. No more a servant, but a son. And I'm going to preach a message to you entitled, Not a servant, but a son. Not a servant, but a son. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for the day that you've given to us. Thank you for the opportunity we have to be in your house today. Lord, I ask you please to uh, hide me behind the cross. Fill me with your spirit. Lord, forgive me for where I failed you. Lord, I claim your promise today that your word will not return void. Lord, I pray that you'll speak to hearts, Holy Spirit of God, as only you can do. I pray that you'll use the word of God as that sharp and two-edged sword that pierces to the dividing of sunder of soul and spirit and of the joints in the marrow and as that discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Lord, if there's any here today that do not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray they'll trust you today. Lord, if there's any here struggling, just straddling that fence, trying to decide what they want to do in life, Lord, may they choose you today. Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. Lord, I ask you please just to use the word of God to change us today. Lord, we love you and thank you for all that you've done in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. I was looking 
through this passage of Scripture this week, going through some things, reading, and just my heart was stirred and full because I began to read about verse number 4 when it said, When the fullness of time was come, that God sent forth His Son, made of woman, made under the law. And I got to thinking about this Christmas season and how we celebrated Christ's coming and uh, why He was here. And uh, we know what the law did. For those of you that may not know, those, that law that was given was uh, there and they tried to abide by the law all the time. But I want you to understand the law isn't what was going to save them. The law was there to show them they were incapable of doing it and that they were sinners. Uh, that's what it was all about. And the Bible shows us the same thing as we have the Word of God. It shows us who we really are. It exposes the, the sinfulness of us because it's made from a, a per, of a perfect God. He is the Word. And the Bible says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So as we go through the pages of the Bible, we need to understand the perfection of it because it is Him in the pages for us. And so I'm glad for the Word of God today. But as I was looking down through it, it said that He sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law. To redeem them that were under the law, that, they, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And as I was looking at that, I began to think, my goodness. It said that he came and we were under the law and he came to redeem us who were under the law. And as I thought about that law and how it exposed us of our sin, I thought, well, what was the need of that redemption? Why did he come? Well, because all of us are sinners. Every one of us are. There's not anybody in this room today that could say, I've not sinned. If you do say that, then we all know that you're a sinner because you just lied if you said that because we're all sinners, right? Every one of us have done wrong in our lifetime. You know what Satan is trying to do in our world today is he's trying to get rid of all the consequences so people don't understand that there's consequences for actions. People don't understand that they actually have to abide by rules and abide by laws and that's what they're out there for is to show us and keep us in certain boundaries. But to understand this, there's consequences for sin. Satan's trying to eliminate that. Why? Because if he can eliminate the consequences for sin, we don't understand the consequence of eternal damnation in hell forever. We don't understand that consequence that came because of man's disobedience to God all the way back in the garden. We don't understand that when God told him that you shall not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that when Adam partook of that fruit where God gave him a specific command that by his sin, the Bible said sin entered the world and death by sin so that death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. And listen, if you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want you to understand you're still in your sin today because we're all sinners. Every one of us are. We're born that way. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all fall short of what's expected to get to heaven by ourselves. We, uh, we can't gain it in our good works. We can't do any of that. The Bible said, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And I got to thinking about this passage of Scripture. It said, and when that fullness of time was come, that God sent forth His Son, made of woman under the law. And as we just celebrated Christmas, we, we, we experienced the, the uh, opportunity that we saw through the, the birth of Jesus Christ over the past couple weeks through His Word. And then this Christmas season celebrated the, the birth of Christ. And on Wednesday night, just lifted Him up and gave testimony of, of how good He has been been and all the stuff that he's done but that 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 baby that was born in that lowly stable came to redeem us who are under the law you know you don't have to redeem something that's not been lost you can only redeem that which is lost 
I got to thinking about the book of Ruth and the kinsman redeemer with Boaz and how uh, Elimelech and Malon and Chilion had all died. And here's uh, Naomi going back to her people and her two daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth, had a choice to make. They could either go with their mother-in-law or they could stay in Moab. And Ruth chose and she said, your God will be my God. And she went there and that, that kinsman redeemer who's a picture of what Jesus has done for us, he paid everything that was necessary for you and I. And listen, when we get to talking about things like this and we get to going about things, I don't want you to be worried about distractions around and all this kind of stuff. Let's come to the reality that every one of us are sinners without God when we're born. Every one of us are. And as I was thinking about this, I had to take my mind back to where God brought me from. I had to take my mind back to what I was before salvation. I was nothing. I was on my way to hell. And rightly so. Why? Because sin separated me from God. But it said that He came to redeem that which were under the law, that we might receive the adoptions of sons. And verse 6 said, And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Aren't you glad the Spirit of God is present with you when you get saved? Aren't you glad that the Spirit of God comes and takes up residence inside of you and lives inside of your heart so that which was dead is made alive through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and the, that, that Spirit of God which then indwells you and I? And I want you to understand something. We talked about this a little bit this morning. Did you know Satan cannot live where God lives? He can't live in that same place. So when you get saved and your body becomes a temple of the Holy Ghost, guess what? Satan cannot indwell you or possess you, but he can oppress you. There's a difference. I've heard people say, well, I think that person's saved, but they were possessed by a devil. Listen, if they're possessed by a devil, they were not saved because the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of them and they, he can't live in the same place that the Holy Spirit lives. But I'm glad for that spirit that took up residence Inside of our heart. And I got to thinking about verse 7 though. Where we get our text from this morning. It said wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son. And if a son. Then an heir of God. Through Christ. You understand. It says we are an heir of God. We're an heir of God. I mean we are a joint heir with Jesus. He is the son of God. And it says now we are no more a servant, but a son. We're not just a servant in and of ourselves, but a son. And I want to see firstly, we're not a servant of sin anymore because of the crucified son. We don't have to be a, a servant to sin because of Jesus Christ who came. And I'm sure glad that he did. Look at John chapter number 8. The gospel of John chapter number 8. If you would please, John chapter number 8. In verse, it would help if I got to the right chapter. John chapter 8 and verse number 34. I was looking at this verse, Brother Eddie. I was thinking, that is so wrong. That's not what I was going for. John chapter 8, verse 34. Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. He talked about being the servant of sin. So when we, got, when we were first born and we were born in sin, the Bible says we're a servant of sin. 
That's what we are. And if we uh, continue to go into sin, then we are a servant of sin. Look at Romans chapter number 6. Romans chapter number 6. We use our Bibles quite a bit this morning. Romans chapter number 6. Look at verse 22. We're talking about not a servant of sin because of the crucified son. And we just saw in John 8. Uh, verse 34, where it talks about being that servant of sin. But look at Romans chapter number 6, verse 22. It says, but now, but now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I got to looking at these verses. It said, now being made free from sin. First, it's talking about being a servant of sin. Now it's saying being made free from sin. It talks about being the servants of God. But when you're a servant of God, you understand you're not enslaved. When you're a servant of God, you're serving Him because you love Him. You're not serving Him because you have to serve Him. Listen, we get to serve Him. Let's change our verbiage when we say this stuff. We're not a servant of sin anymore because of the crucified son. When he died on the cross and shed his blood for you and I, he took that death upon himself that you and I deserve, that wages of sin, that was death. And we read in that verse of Scripture that being made free from sin, we became the servants of God. And how are we made free of, free of sin? Oh, I know it's because we came to church on Sunday morning or we went to church on Sunday night or we grew up in a Christian home or this, that, and the other. No, the reason that we are saved from sin is because the blood of the everlasting God who took upon himself the form of a servant in this Christmas time that we just experienced that babe in a manger who was born, who came to this earth to seek and to save that which was lost, who died on an old rugged tree and took my sin upon himself, was buried, rose again, took the keys of death and hell and offers life to anyone who will receive it and I got to rejoicing this week in the fact that he drew me into himself and I'm no more a servant of sin because of the crucified son and you don't have to be a servant of sin today if you'll just serve him with your life if you'll surrender to him and give him complete control in John chapter number one I want you to turn there quickly the gospel of John chapter number one I think we ought to get excited again about our salvation. I got to see a lot of excitement this past week when people received gifts at Christmas time. I got to see a lot of excitement, a lot of joy that we got those things that we desired. But I want you to understand today, if you're saved by the grace of Almighty God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that you can rejoice and find glory and honor in your life today because of the one who is glory, for the one who is honor, and that crucified son who died on an old rugged cross. We can rejoice and be his children, and what a blessing it is. We ought to find joy in everlasting life. The greatest gift that was ever given to any one of us was given for all of humanity. He said that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Guess what? It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. It doesn't matter what your social status is, how many degrees you have. Jesus Christ came to this earth because he loved you. And he wanted to take your place on the cross. John chapter number 1, verse number 12, it says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. You understand we're no longer a servant of sin because of the crucified son if you've trusted him by faith. 
If you've trusted Jesus by faith, you're no longer in bondage to sin because that sin has been paid for. You can find grace through it all. Why? Because of the one who conquered death, hell, and the grave. I got to thinking about that law and those that tried to live by the law all the time. And listen, I'm glad for doing good things. And I'm glad for people that try to do right stuff. But understand this, without the righteousness of God being inside of you and having the righteousness of God, you and I are incapable of righteousness. Because the one who is righteous isn't indwelling inside of us. But when we get saved and that one and that fullness of time was come when that son who came to this earth to, to die and we by faith then receive him as our savior. And it says that he lives inside of our heart. The spirit indwells inside of our heart. And as we begin to read through that, I got to thinking about my goodness that he lives in my heart crying, Abba, Father. And it says, wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. I want you to understand this. When you got saved, You're not just saved to be in bondage to God. You're an heir of God. You're an heir of God through Jesus Christ. Matt, you know what that means? The day you got saved, he adopted you into his family. The God of all creation looks at you not as just a servant, but he looks at you as a son. You're his child, an heir. Can you imagine that? Could you imagine being the president's son or being a king's son? You know what? There's some honor with that, isn't there? Whether you like somebody or not, because of that position, there is honor placed on that. Hey, you're an heir to somebody who's in supreme authority, right? Well, imagine the God of all creation who spoke everything into existence. Who humbled himself, took upon himself the form of a servant, came to die for all of our sins. He dies on a cross, sheds his blood for us, takes three days and conquers death, hell, and the grave, and takes the keys of death and hell, and up from the grave he, he arose. And he has that so that you and I, he could offer life to us. And then as we received him, it said, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. You know what? We are his children. He's not just an acquaintance. He's not just a master that we serve. He's our father. He's our father. You know, there's just something about that. I remember growing up in life, there was just something about it. When somebody talked about uh, who Butch Caldwell was, that was my dad. It wasn't just a name. It wasn't just, oh, somebody that I know. It wasn't just somebody who was able to tell me what to do. No, that was my dad. I wasn't just uh, somebody that was supposed to obey and do this because they were my parents and so they're in authority over me even though they were. It wasn't that reason. Why should I serve? Because of the love that they showed to me. That's why I should serve them. So why do we serve Christ? Why do we love him? Because he first loved us and he gave himself for us. And we're not a servant of sin today if you're saved because of the crucified son. But I got to thinking about who that spirit is, that spirit inside of us. It talks about the one that's in our heart that helps us cry, Abba, Father. I want you to take your Bibles uh, and look here at John chapter number 14. Gospel of John chapter number 14. John chapter number 14, 
verse 16 through verse 18. Look what the Bible says. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. And the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Now to think about that comforter, that spirit who lives inside of us. See, we don't have to be a servant of sin because of a crucified son, but we don't have to be a servant of sorrow because of a comforting spirit. We don't have to live in sorrow. We don't have to live in heartache. Listen, I'm not a servant of sin because of the crucified son. I can be a son of God, and because I'm a son of God, I'm no more a servant of sorrow either, the sorrow that comes in our life. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 6, our text, it says, And because you are sons, God hath set forth the spirit of his son into your heart. Why don't I have to live in sorrow? What is an attribute of those spirit? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. It says, against such there is no law. Listen, the fruit of the spirit lives inside of us. So why shouldn't it come out of us? It should because it's in there. It ought to come out. We don't have to be a servant of sorrow because of that comforting spirit i want you to go back to john chapter number 15 john chapter number 15 john chapter 15 and verse number 26 it says but when the comforter is come whom i will send unto you from the father even the spirit of truth which proceedeth from the father He shall testify of me. And ye also shall bear witness because ye have been with me from the beginning. That comforter when it's come. Look at John chapter 16. John chapter number 16. And verse number 7. He said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is not expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. He was telling us about that comforter who lives inside of us. That one who takes up residence inside of our heart. That one who lives there to bring joy and happiness even through the bad times. The one that can bring us joy in these unspeakable times. Those times that we can't even imagine uh, trying to be by ourselves. But that comforter who lives with us helps us to overcome those sorrowful times. Because of the comforting spirit. That's inside of us. I'm sure there were some people that had a hard time this Christmas. Because there's been some sorrow. There's been some heartache. But you know what? We can find joy in the spirit that lives inside of us. We can find joy in that comforting spirit. I want you to go to 1 Peter chapter number 5. 1 Peter chapter number 5. And verse number 7, we'll read actually verse 6 and 7. It says this, Humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. He said, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. For the guy, I don't have to be a servant of sorrow today because of a comforting spirit. And he says this, Casting all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. 
He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He said, take it all. Let let me have it. You weren't designed to carry it in the first place. Why do we carry the heartaches and the sorrows and the burdens? Did you understand that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, not only did he bear our sins upon himself, but the Bible says in the book of Isaiah chapter 53, he said, surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. He bore our griefs. He carried our sorrows. That comforting spirit who already bore it upon himself says, listen, why do you have to carry something that I've already carried? Why are you trying to bear the burden of something that I already have the weight of? Why are you trying to carry it? Just let me have it. Cast all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. So not a servant of sin because of a crucified son. Listen, if you're here today and you're still in the bondage of sin in your life because you've never by faith received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you know he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to trust Him as your Savior. But then you don't have to be a servant of sorrow because of that comforting spirit. I understand there's been hard times, but you know what? We can find even through the valley of the shadow of death, we fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. It said, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. They comfort me. Miss Alice, I can't help but think about Brother Jerry as I was going through this. I thought, you know, it's probably going to be, it's been pretty tough. But you know what? God can bring comfort. God can bring joy. She gave testimony about the church folks that have been here to help her along the way. And you know what? The Spirit of God and the Spirit that lives inside of each and every believer, when when we all get together and we we, we encourage one another, you know what? It just brings that comforting spirit. Just that joy that's unspeakable and that peace that passes all understanding that keeps our hearts and minds by Christ Jesus. How can somebody find joy through a trial? Is the comforter who lives inside of us. We don't have to be a servant of sorrow because of a comforting spirit. I want you to look at Psalm 37. Psalm chapter number 37. Verse 17 of Psalm 37, it said, For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholdeth the righteous. The Lord upholdeth the righteous. You know, when I got saved, I became his son. I became his child. And the Bible says this, that he upholdeth us that are righteous. You know, I don't have to be a servant of stumbling because of a caring Savior. I have people that say, well, I just, I don't understand. You know, we're just sinners and we're going to fall and we're going to just always waller around in sin. You understand, don't use an excuse that, oh, well, I'm, I'm still a sinner, so I'm going to fall into sin. You know, you can get victory over sin. You can get victory over sin. There's some people who say, well, there's a sin that does so easily beset us, and that means we can't ever get victory over it. No, that just means that's the one you need to pray over harder. 
That's the one you ought to work on the hardest because that's the one that easily trips you up. The fact of the matter is you can find victory. Why? Because of Jesus. He is victory. He is victory. Am I saying you're going to live a perfect life? No. But you ought not to be 20 years a child of God and still living in the same sins you were in when you first started out. There ought to be a growth process. You ought to be growing in the things of God. We don't have to be a servant of stumbling, keep continuing to fall down and fall down and fall down and fall down. You say, well, the Bible says, preacher, a just man falleth seven times and rises up again. But listen, understand this, that is, that is true. We need to get up and wipe the dust off of us again. But if you read the context of that chapter, and we ought to get back to the Bible and what it really teaches. Verse 10 of Proverbs 24 says, if ye faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. Verse 15 says, lay not weight, O wicked man, against the dwelling of the righteous. Spoil not his resting place. For a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. Listen, that word but, that little conjunction changes the context of a sentence. Just like the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Where it says the just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. Well, my question is to you then, church, if the wicked are falling into mischief, what are the just falling into? If Go back to verse 10. If you faint in the day of what? Adversity. Thy strength is small. You understand that we're going to fall under the adversity and the oppression of Satan over and over and over and over again. But we can rise up through it because of Jesus. We can rise up through it. We don't have to fall into Satan's devices. We don't have to be tripped up by him. He said, don't be ignorant of Satan's devices. He said, stand, having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, putting on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Why is it that God's people fall so much into sin so often and we're a servant of just stumbling and stumbling and stumbling and stumbling? I'll tell you why. Is we don't have the foundation of the Word of God implanted so much inside of us that when we're faced with a decision on what direction should I go or where should I turn, we don't go to the Bible. We start talking to all our friends and saying, what should I do here? What should I do there? When Jesus says, follow me. Follow me. Do what I tell you to do. Listen, if we just focus on Christ a whole lot more, we wouldn't be sinking into the stumbling and sin so much. We need to get back to just following Christ, doing what he wants us to do. Look at Proverbs chapter number 24. Proverbs chapter number 24. I want to read the verse for you. I already quoted it, but I want you to see it. Just so you don't think preacher's making things up. Look at verse 10. If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. Verse 15, lay not wait, a wicked man, against the dwelling of the righteous. Well, let me ask you this. Where do the righteous dwell? In Christ. In Christ. So where are the wicked trying to get us to stop living? In Christ. But it says the just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. Do you understand if you're standing on the rock of Jesus Christ, you can't fall? Why? Because Christ doesn't fall. It said he upholdeth the righteous. Let me help you with something. There's often times that I say, Brother Eddie, I've said, I let God down. Did you know I never held God up? God upholds us. The fact is, we're sinners. He's the one that has to hold us up. Oh, can you break his heart? Absolutely. But you don't hold God up. He holds himself up. And he holds us up. So listen, when we fall and we stumble, yes, you're going to disappoint God. But understand this. It's not 
don't, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. It's all about Him. It's not about us. It's not about us. It's that He upholdeth the righteous. So how, how are we going to be uplifted? How are we going to get victory over sin in our life? Is let God carry us. That carrying Savior. Let God carry us. I thought about that poem, The Footprints in the Sand, and I got to looking at it a little bit this week where it showed one set of footprints and thought, well, I must be walking alone, and that's not our footprints, though that's God's footprints because he's carrying us all the, every step of the way. And listen, that's how it ought to be in our life. When Jesus was walking on that Sea of Galilee and he looked at those disciples and he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. You know, my mind went back to when I was a kid. I remember walking through the woods, oftentimes in the snow-covered mountains, going up to go hunting. And I remember, you know how I got to the top? I followed the footprints in front of me. My dad was walking in front of me. And I remember seeing his footprints. And I'd step in his footprints and I got to the top of the mountain. You know why? Because he took the hard part. He took the way for me. It was easy for me. I didn't understand why they were breathing so hard all the time. It was easy for me. Why? Because my dad went before me. And I followed his footsteps. And it made it easier climbing that mountain. I want you to understand, Christ wants to carry you. He wants to help you along the way. But you just got to walk in his footsteps. Look at Psalm, 30, or Psalm 63. Psalm 63. We're almost finished this morning. Psalm 63. Verse number 8, my soul followeth hard after thee, thy right hand upholdeth me. Thy right hand upholdeth me. Flip over to Psalm 145. Psalm 145. And verse number 14, the Lord upholdeth all that fall and raiseth up all those that be bowed down. I want you to understand where victory comes from. It's not in my strength and not in my ability. It's all in submission to the Lord. Submission to the Lord. If I will submit to him, he'll carry me. He'll lift me up. And you know what? I don't have to be a servant of sin because of that crucified son. I can be an eternal heir with Jesus because of what Christ did. And I don't have to be a servant of sorrow because of that comforting spirit. But I don't have to be a servant of stumbling. I don't have to keep falling into all those same sins that I've always uh, fell into all the time. Why? Because of a carrying Savior. One that's willing to carry me through to help me along the way. I know it's a little song, but we used to sing it in junior church. We'd sing, he's able, he's able, I know he's able, I know my Lord is able to carry me through. He's able, he's able, I know he's able, I know my Lord is able to carry me through. He heals the brokenhearted, and he sets the captive free. He made the lame to walk again, and he caused the blind to see. He's able, 
He's able, I know He's able. I know my Lord is able to carry me through. I wonder why we get too old for those songs. wonder why we don't sing those anymore in church, right? We've just graduated above that, right? No, Lord's still able. He's still able. He's still able to carry us through. doesn't matter how big you think you get. He's still able to carry you through. Let's never get too big. We have those little songs that we say, oh, those are great for the young people. No, they're still great for us today. Because we serve a God that's able to carry us and help us along the way. We don't have to be in sorrow because of the comfort that he brings. I don't have to be in bondage of sin because of the freedom that's found in him. And I don't have to be a servant of stumbling and falling all the time because of God who carries me through. Listen, you're not a servant, but a son through Jesus Christ. You say, well, why do you say we ought to serve him? He came to serve us. He took upon himself the form of a servant. Listen, we don't serve him because we're in bondage to him. We serve him because of the freedom that's found through him. We serve him because of what he's done for us. We don't serve him because we're in bondage. I have to do this and I have to do that. No, we get to serve him. We get to serve the one who redeemed us from hell. We get to serve the one who took upon himself all that sin that I deserved. We get to serve the one who loved us when we were unlovable. So why don't we? Why don't we? Why are we still going into bondage of what he saved us out of? That just doesn't make sense. It's like somebody being in prison for a life sentence and getting pardoned and coming out and saying, well, thanks for the pardon, but I want to go back to prison. Listen, we don't have to live in bondage today. We can find victory. But it comes through the one who is victorious. Through Jesus. Let me ask you this today. Are you saved? Do you know you're on your way to heaven? Have you trusted Jesus by faith? Have you trusted him? He said this. I am the way. The truth and the life. No man cometh unto the father. But by me. So if you tried to get to heaven any other way, there's only one way. You know, the trip to heaven is a one-way street. And that one way is Jesus. It's what he's done, that finished work. And you've got to believe it by faith and receive him as your Savior. But if you are saved, are you living in sorrow? Are you still stumbling into those same kind of sins? Well, how do you get victory? How do you find peace? Through Jesus through him, through his spirit. With our heads bowed, eyes closed this morning, let me ask this question.